Okay. All right. Are we up? Are we going here? What is going on? Anything? Hey, there we go. We are live on the internets. Good evening, everybody. Uh, it is officially, according to my calendar, which is infallible, it is November 24th, 2021. Uh, a wonderful day. Typically, we do shows on Thursday, but today we're doing Wednesdays, just for today. And next week, we'll have some special guests on the show. Uh, would not take too much of a detective to figure out who it might be, um, but indeed, uh, it is that is going to be uh, fun next week. Um, I do want to start the show by sending um, my, I guess, thoughts and feelings and all the good stuff over to people in British Columbia with all the flooding going on. I made a donation today to some British Columbian food banks. British Columbian? Is that the term? I guess it is. Um, but anyway, uh, just my way of giving back a little bit and helping them because they definitely need it. Uh, it's some pretty scary stuff going on out there. Uh, so if you can, I would suggest doing the same. There's a great portal on canadahelps.org, uh, to help you identify some, some, some stuff, uh, that you can do to help out in British Columbia. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's just what I wanted to get off, uh, off on the, on the start of the show. Um, uh, yeah. Also, everybody should celebrate, uh, Ray Bro. This is 10 months of him being a member of the channel. He was one of the first, if not the first member of the YouTube channel. So, uh, always a keener, always welcome. Um, still trying to help him learn how to play code names in the Discord server, which we do now Monday nights usually. Um, uh, but you're getting there. You're getting better. We're getting there. We're figuring it out. You know, it's, you know. It's learning. You're, 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 we're all, we're all learning. Um, but good evening. A uh, little bit of a less busy week because um, just a day less to do some tracking, and usually the last day, uh, the last day of uh, of the of the week is usually when I do the most tracking because I'm panicking because I need the most data to present to you lovely people. Um, but yeah, got a few names done. Uh, if you're a podcast listener, we got through a game of Noah Ostland, an SHL game, I might add, uh, an SHL game of Jonathan Lakaramaki. Uh, Shane Wright, Matthew Savoy, all the greatest hits. Uh, Luca Del Belbeluz, uh, Jagger Furcus, Matthew Poitras, Poitra, Poitra, uh, Connor Geeky, uh, Jack Devine, Jack Hughes, and not that Jack Hughes, the other one, uh, and Mats Lindgren. So that's the list we went through. Not a huge list, uh, as it's been in the past, but a list nonetheless, and next week hopefully will be a, a, a bigger one. Um... I'll just jump right into some questions, uh, cause, um, cause that's what I feel, cause that's what I'm feeling. Just jumping right in. Um, so the first thing, uh, from Raybro, of course, of course, uh, quickest off the starting line, uh, thoughts on Danila Karpov. That is a name I'm not aware of. Uh, and I know that you're not messing with me because you would never do such a thing. Uh, my friend, um, oh, he's a D plus one from Russia. Okay. I'll put him on the list and, and, and check him out. Uh, scoring a lot of goals. That's fun. Uh, all right, next question. It's just Simon Robertson with a question mark. Uh, well, you know, when you barely play in the SHL, it's hard to produce, and I believe he's barely playing. Last I checked, he's averaging about four or five minutes a night. 
Um, whenever he goes back to junior, he's still Simon Robertson, and that's something you can bank on. You know, look, it's gonna take. I, I feel like he's gonna be a little bit of a of a little bit of, a little bit of time to uh, to get onto the to the level where I saw where I think he could get. Um, you, you're gonna need to give him a couple of years. A guy like Jonathan Berger always comes to mind. Same team. Uh, as a youth and took a bit of time for Bergeron to get really comfortable at the SHL level. He had to fight through some injuries as well, but not the end of the world. I'm not, I'm not too scared about Simon Robertson. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, especially considering he ended up on my list, a second round pick and in the NHL draft, he went in the third round. I think there's still a ton of upside to bet on there for sure. Especially considering like half the names that went ahead of him. Uh, good evening to you. Exertion, exertion, uh, any Jakob Huyer and Daniel Burosh thoughts? Uh, Daniel Burosh scored a bunch of points in his first few games, and I didn't really... I f- someone asked me about him really early on, and I watched him a bit, and I didn't see a whole lot that really moved the needle a lot for me. Just kind of a guy, a bit of skill. You know, he had some problem-solving ability. Just in terms of his finishing, it felt like he was kind of getting lucky and the puck was going in the net. Uh, the other guy, I have no idea. So he is one I will also add uh, to the list to take a look at. And when I say I will add him to the list, what usually happens is uh, I stay up late after streams just to watch the names that people suggest. That's usually what I'm doing. Um, But okay, so he plays on the same team. So I have not seen uh, this Jakob guy, uh, but I will check him out. So thank you. Um, Game Pass guys. You guys, you Game Pass guys, you make a great product. Xbox Game Pass, uh, I bought an Xbox Series S, uh, hoping to play some more Chell uh, in the Discord server at some point, which we will definitely, definitely do more of. It's a lot of fun. Um, and Game Pass is great. I just got Forza Horizon 5 on Game Pass, and it's awesome. It's a ton of fun. Um, I don't stay on the roads. I, I've never played a Forza Horizon game, in, and, and I, I will admit that. Uh, and I didn't... I, get, I, I don't even know what it's all about. Like, what the... It's apparently just basically, like, arcade racing. Like, you just... I don't even spend any time on the roads. And if that's abnormal, please let me know. Um, but I've really, 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 really been enjoying that game. Uh, so, Game Pass, guys, thank you very much. Um, Team... T- oh, God. Team Tanks rip Canucks. Yeah, I'm going to expect Canucks fans in here relatively soon. It's funny. It's kind of a running joke in the in the Patreon thing in the patreon community that of all of the popular teams uh we have a lot of fans of canadian teams in there but not very many canucks fans i think there's only one and i don't see them very often but uh, like we've got jets fans leafs fans out the wazoo there's habs fans uh flames fan i believe a couple of oilers fans um but the canucks are very underrepresented and you know there's lots of room for them. Uh, so if you're having a rough season, come on in. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not going super well for Vancouver, uh, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. Uh, have you been able to see Seth Jarvis play yet? Kids like he's been playing in the NHL for several years. What a, what a smooth transition. Yeah, I haven't seen much of Carolina. I will just trust smart people I know who really like Seth Jarvis um, with that knowledge. You know, I'm not really super surprised. Um, I'm surprised at how quick it's come. Um, but I'm not really surprised that he's a good NHL offensive player already. Uh, that 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 That's not really blowing my mind. I just didn't think it was going to happen this quickly. Same thing with Dawson Mercer. Like, that 2020 draft class 
already is looking pretty good uh, in, in my view when you look at it on the whole. Uh, good morning from Australia. Oh, good evening from, from Ontario, Canada. <laughs> that always blows my mind, that it's the morning somewhere where someone's watching this. I haven't even gone to bed yet. Uh, I don't do that on stream. I don't go to bed on camera. Um, that I feel like someone did that once for a YouTube thing and made a bunch of money. Like, uh, this is me sleeping for 10 hours and they made a bunch of money. Um, I don't, I'm not about that life. But good morning. Hello. Hope you have a good day. Um, Friday. Happy Friday, by the way. Uh, thoughts on Cruz Lucius and Max Nemesnikov? Um, well, Cruz Lucius, I mean... I haven't seen much. Like, the guy down the lineup in, on the NTDP that I've liked is uh, Marek Hayduk. Lucius, I haven't looked in, like, really close detail. But I have seen him a lot because I've seen a lot of the NTDP. And next week, I have a lot of NTDP games lined up, but none of them are of him. It's just a lot of guys I need to do a second game on. Guys like Chesley, uh, Ryan Chesley, uh, Cutter Gauthier, one of the best names in the draft. Um... Rector McGrory as well. So there's that. Um, but Cruz Lucius, I just, again, he's one of these guys I think that I don't really know what to say about him. Maybe that's because I haven't really looked at him in detail. Like, I've seen a few moments where I'm going, okay, like, I can see why he's part of the Lucius family. You know, he kind of plays in a similar way to his brother, but he's smaller and he's a winger. Not the best skater, not the most pacey player, but he's got some skill. He can attack the middle of the ice. He attacks the net. A lot of the right instincts, but I just wonder where he's going to get drafted. I don't really know. There's a lot of guys that I'm more excited about, even on the same team, but I've 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 been meaning to take a look at him more in a in a closer context than I have so far. Max Nemestnikov. I really have no idea what to think. I mean, he started off the season, like, absolute zero cold. Like, literally, he had no points. Um, like, he had nothing going for him. And when I was watching him play, he's one of these guys where you see him, and you can see how a guy like that would score as much as he did before he was drafted into the OHL. Like, he's got some skill. He's an extremely high-paced player. He goes out there, like, he skates in a way when he gets ahead of steam, like, it's intimidating for someone so small to be moving like the way he does. And I feel like against, like, really young competition, that can be kind of intimidating and, and really intense. And he has some skill and a nice quick shot, you know, and I'm just looking at his production. Uh, yeah, his first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, he had one point. And in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in the last nine games, he's got... 10 points you know I, I i saw him in an off-season tournament or practice like you at the u.s program doing an off-season tournament thing and i wasn't really blown away with him he was more of a volume shooter um you know there's still that really high pace and i do have plans to track him at some point but he's just not quite on the priority list that high he's ranked on my list and i think he's the last name in the num number rankings like off my watch list i but i think he's an interesting one. I just, I feel like he's a player that's like an open ice player. He's a center naturally. And I think the range and skill and, and pace that he has suits that pretty well. But to be 5'8 and a center, you gotta be like a god. And I don't know if I've seen that out of him. But again, this is his first 10, 20 games in the OHL period. I don't know. Like, I wonder if it's a bit of that Tyler Wong vibe where... There's, you can tell that there's talent, 
but the projectability and the actual efficiency of his game at the junior level even is kind of lacking because that's what I found with Tyler Wong last year. Very fun to watch, but wasn't really contributing that much. And and I you know and and when you have someone that small, at least for me, I need to see like tangible contribution and not just like the potential of tangible contribution. But if Max Nemestikov is like a sixth or seventh round pick, just like Tyler Wong should have been, sure, I could understand a team taking a swing on those guys. Um, I just need to see more of, of Nemestikov to be sure, because with Wong, it was pretty apparent pretty quick, uh, especially once I started tracking him. Um, okay. Uh, what's going on with Julian Lutz? He's been injured. You just answered your question inside your own question. He's been injured uh Adil how's it going it's going okay it's going pretty well I actually it's funny um I I don't know if anyone else has this but there was this I had a YouTube recommendation that that cued something in my brain that I just couldn't help uh I just couldn't help thinking a lot about how much I've I hold a specific opinion about a topic I got recommended a scene from the movie from 2007 called Sunshine if you haven't seen that movie, especially if you're like a science fiction fan, you should just stop watching my stream, watch it tomorrow, and watch the watch that movie. One, the cast is unbelievable. You've got Rose Byrne, who's awesome. I think Michelle Yeoh's in it. She's awesome. Uh, Chris Evans, awesome. Um, Chillian Murphy, one of my favorite actors. Uh, it's just like banger after banger after banger after banger of a cast. And then, and it and it's like the most beautifully shot movie of the twenty of the two thousands for me. I love that movie so so much, and I just got on a binge of just watching scenes from it. Um, and the music from and it's like one of the most underappreciated films I think is, has ever been made. Like the music from it has inspired literally millions of internet posts with inspirational music in it, like millions of them. So like definitely check that movie out if you like movies and sci-fi and great acting and a great story um it's wonderful um so that's how i am that just was the rabbit hole i went down today a little bit uh most impressive player i tracked this week uh, okay um i mean it depends on what you mean by impressive i think of all of them the one i came away liking the most was matthew savoy but he does have some holes in his game. Um, in terms of players that did like the most impressive thing, I can't, I don't really know because there weren't that many. No offense to these guys. Matthew Poitras makes some really smart, effect, effective, and efficient plays uh, that I liked, but none of that was like holy crap mode. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of that, I don't, I don't, I don't think. Jack Hughes today in the game I tracked had a really, really nice pickoff exiting the offensive zone or when the opponent was exiting the offensive zone. Just like a nice recognition of a passing lane and just stepped right in and bang, he's off to the races. Now, he couldn't finish and the shot was kind of meh, but it was cool. It looked fun. Um, so, yeah. Oh, snap. Uh, okay, here comes David St. Louis. Uh, if you don't follow David St. Louis on Twitter, go do it. Um super smart dude his videos on youtube are better than mine uh connor geeky is he a first rounder that's not a question that i'm comfortable answering actually i'm kidding i'm actually extremely comfortable asking that you know i tracked him this week if he keeps playing like he plays in the games i've seen and the games where i've seen him as a teammate of a player i am tracking 
maybe not. Like, I don't know. I, um, let me just pull up my list. Cause I had him pretty high before I tracked a second game. Cause I thought, you know what? Maybe, maybe there's something there and, and, and maybe with potential and growth and whatever, maybe, but then I saw more of him and I don't know. I have him at 25 and I think that's kind of where the draft for me gets really mushy. And I, again, like with Connor Geeky, the question for me is going to be like, what is he at the NHL level? What is he? Like, yes, I saw the video that Jesse Pollock posted of him toe dragging a guy who was on his stomach and it looked cool. I'll grant that. Like he's got some decent hands for a guy that size, but that's not going to win you hockey games. Like the rest of his game is very sort of lackluster in a way. I just like, he's big, but he doesn't use his body like at all especially defensively he's slow he's not super agile you know like when I, I i think about big players like i don't have a thing against big players at all like i loved brandon co i had him in my top 40 if i'm not mistaken and i looked at brandon co and said that's a guy that i want on my team that's a big strong skilled winger who can like you watch pierre engvall play hockey and I get it. Like, there's a meme now in Toronto, like, Pierre Engvall, ha, 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 he can't score points. You know, but you watch Pierre Engvall play, and a lot of the time, he's doing the right things. A lot of the time, he makes plays because of the range and the skill and the speed that he's got, where you go, I, li- I like that player. You put him with the right other offensive players, you might get a pretty productive possession player. And I see that in Brandon Coe with a bit more sort of flash to his game. Connor Geeky, I don't really see that. To me, Connor Geeky might be like a third or second line guy. And again, maybe his future trajectory for development is like this. You know, he just, his skating improves immensely. Everything about his game improves immensely over the next few years. I can't predict whether or not that will happen. All I can do is evaluate the player's game as it is now and, and see what might be able to be improved. And I just don't see a ton where I'm going, this guy is a top five NHL pick um, that I'm willing... Like, to me, my bar for a top five NHL draft pick at least has to be a player that I'm extremely excited about on day one. Not a player that I'm going, I hope in five years they are this. Like, I need to clearly see this, and it, and it has to be there, right? Like, right now, you've got a six foot four guy who gets 75% of his shot attempts from outside dangerous areas. Like, that's not... You got to do better than that. He's pa- he's turning pucks over 45% of his passes. Um, you know, he's a big guy who doesn't really involve himself much defensively. He's pretty efficient when he kind of does. But a lot of it, like this, it's it's a lot of it is coming from stick checking, which is fine. But again, you kind of want more out of him. He's an okay puck carrier, but is he an okay puck carrier because he's huge and no one can get on top of him? Or is he a great puck carrier because he's big and can skate? And I feel like it's the first. Um, So, I don't know. I just don't see what everyone else is seeing in terms of putting him top five, like ahead of Matthew Savoy. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I No matter which way I slice it, I just don't see it. Like, I think, he, I think he's a first round pick, but maybe by the end of the year, I don't know. Late first round, I think, is safe. Between, I'd say, 16 and 24, like the middle third, I, I think makes sense. 
but it's a it's a great thing to think about especially if you watch a lot of junior hockey especially relative to the other guys on this on this on lists these days because i look at geeky as a guy where that valuation is already pretty out of whack uh with where he kind of is as a player now and where you know where where people are uh putting him it just it's just i think people are looking at the name and the size and the pedigree like where he was drafted in the whl draft the fact that he played last year and scored pretty solid production rates and and just expecting him to to be that good i just i don't know i haven't seen enough personally to to be on that level with him but you can always make the argument that with development the player could become this sure i i just am a little more skeptical uh oh we have a new member of the channel james welcome aboard uh james if you're still watching thank you uh dm me on twitter or email me uh at scouting at gmail and i'll set you up with an account youtube does not provide me your contact info so i can't get you an account unless i find a way to contact you so let me know um does canada's olympic jersey look like a turkey's butt also hope you're doing well today also last thing do you study analytics of other sports <laughs> Um, I don't really care if they look like a turkey's butt because I like them. I don't know. People are really like nitpicking them. Like, like one thing I don't like about them is the shoulder coloring. The little, like, I don't even know what shape it is. It's like half a half. It's like a half moon, but really tiny on the shoulders. And they put the numbers inside of them. That to me looks a little strange, but I think the jerseys look really good. I mean, I, I know there was some hand-wringing about, oh, Canada shouldn't wear black because it's not on the flag and blah, blah, blah. I just think they look neat. They certainly look better than the U.S. ones. They're not as nice as the Finnish ones that came out as well today. I don't know if any others have come out, but I, I, I don't know. Right now, my power rankings for that is Finland, Canada, and about 10 feet below my basement floor in the foundation of my house is the United States jerseys. Um, which draft year had the best names? uh ooh, i don't know i mean the, the fact that jesse puyuyarvi is a name that someone has is wonderful i love that just the sound of that name and the sound of it in finnish in a finnish accent just i don't know my serotonin levels just like hit optimal concentration when i hear that name uh especially spoken by a finnish speaker uh so but i don't know i don't know i can't answer that question because i don't i don't i don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of all 200 and whatever names go every single year but i like i like the pool yarvi one and patrick line is a fun name as well but uh also clayton keller i believe was in that draft and clayton for a child in 1997 or whatever it would have been that he was born the the cojones to name your child clayton in 1997 i love it uh who do you like better from Mississauga, Luca Del Belbaluz or Owen Beck? Uh oh, there was other parts of that question from Michael Berry. My my apologies. Um, do you study analytics of other sports? I actually, it's funny. I read. Uh, actually, I'm reading through. I shouldn't say I read. I'm reading through. It takes me forever to read books because I spend a lot of time watching hockey. And if I don't, and if I'm not watching hockey or doing my day job, I'm sitting on the couch because my brain hurts. But when I do get time to read, I am trying to read through Sprawl Ball, which is a book about the three-point shooting revolution in, in basketball. Uh, I do, I'm reading the MVP machine as well. It's in my little book thing there, uh, which is a baseball development, uh, bo a book about development in, 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 in minor league baseball and everything. 
Um, I, I'm fascinated by that stuff. I, I love sports in general, all sports. I see the value in all kinds of sports uh, and, and seeing games being played and everything. It's just sort of something that scratches my itch. Uh, so I do, I do like to study the mechanics of those games. You know, like I've thought about like Rocket League analytics, if that was a, if that's a thing that you can do, because Rocket League does share a lot of commonalities with a lot of real time, real life sports. Um, and if you really boil down sports to their fundamental ingredients, like a lot of them are kind of similar to hockey. Uh, you know, soccer is in a way like hockey on a giant field, but instead of sticks, you use your feet. And instead of a puck, it's a ball. The net's just really big. Um, but the mechanics are relatively similar. Um, you know, the mechanics of even basketball relative to hockey are somewhat similar, you know, with misdirection, leading pressure towards a player and away from others and creating space and all of these little fundamental factors that all bleed into the same sport. You know, like if the, if the, I don't know, if the Toronto Blue Jays called me, I'm not saying no. Um, so I do try to keep up with all different kinds of sports because as well, it's good to listen to people and topics that you're not familiar with just to keep your brain fresh. Um, yeah, so the question about Mississauga, Luca Del Belbaluz or Owen Beck? So I've only tracked Del Belbaluz. I should do Owen Beck. Um, I mean, Del Belbaluz did not do very much in the game I tracked. Like, again, I, I like him. He kind of reminds me of, like, Ryan Green in the USHL. Um, but, yeah, he kind of reminds me of, 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 uh, Ryan Green, where there's skill, but you don't see a whole lot of, like, doing much with it. And with him, with Del Belbaluz, he got some nice shot attempts. He scored a really nice goal, like a nice little drag to pull the goalie uh, out, of, out of position and just flip it over him. It was really, really nice. Um, really efficient in offensive transitions, just like Ryan Green. Like, there's skill. He's got some size. I like it. I think there's a nice building block of a player to work on. I is he a second-round pick to me? I don't think so but as like a third round pick like if he's the third or fourth guy that i'm drafting in the draft and i get two three or four two or three guys that i'm really 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 excited about i could see it i think he's an interesting sort of possession style player with some nice scoring ability i i i dig i dug him um especially for his sort of open ice skill and puck carrying but uh owen beck i'll need to watch more of for sure i've been hearing a lot of buzz about both of those guys um, and I kind of liked what I saw of Del Belbaluz. It's just, there wasn't many events happening. Like his pass volume was pretty low. His completion was pretty low. His offensive transition involvement was pretty low. He shot the puck decently often, but you know, and scored a really nice goal. Um, so there's that, uh, it just felt like the guys around him, like they weren't really gelling in the game I watched, but I, I do like what I was seeing, uh, of, 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 I do like what I saw of, of Bel Del Belbaluz. Also one of the best names in the draft as well. Cutter Gauthier probably still wins, but Luca Del Bel Belouz. Luca, if you're watching, beautiful. Um, I carry Will in World of Chell. No, you don't. You don't carry me. You, 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 it's more, it's more like you drag me. You, you drag me. You don't carry me. I hold you back because my dead weight is behind you and you're pulling on my, my body. Um, Nice has been great for Minnesota this year. I try not to get overly excited for NCAA prospects, but he's challenging me. He uses his body really well and has underrated hands. Thoughts? Yeah. So Matthew Nice was a guy where I totally gapped because I didn't re I didn't know, or if someone told me, I completely forgot that he dealt with COVID and 
he might have been one of those guys where he just started off on the wrong foot because he was getting over COVID. Uh, you know, that's part of the the risk of last season. If I like, if I saw the hands last year for sure. The problem with Nyes last year was I just didn't see him doing too much. Like he just there wasn't there was hands and that was a and he was kind of big, but that was about it. I didn't really I didn't really see much else. Um and it makes a lot of sense in retrospect. It's like, well, because he had coronavirus. And I didn't I didn't like he heat he really heated up down the stretch of the year. And I kind of just figured he was regressing back to the point per game USHL player that he may have been regardless, rather than he was regressing to the very good player that he was before. Because um, he has been very good in, in, in college this year, for sure. And, you know, you can't take that away from him. It's a great freshman year. He's having a better freshman year than a lot of NCAA. If it was just he had COVID and that's it and he just is back and, and back to his normal form. Like, as a D-1, he was a very, very well-regarded prospect. Um, so he, if he's back to that level, then good for him. I didn't see it last year. I know I wasn't the only scout who thought that he just wasn't looking that good last year. But smart play for Toronto, just taking a swing on him, and they must have had some intel being like, yeah, you know. And yeah, part of it also is I should have done a little more homework and watched him down the stretch and, and, and checked in on him more than a few more than I did. Because I think two of the games I tracked were not great and they were early in the year. And then I did a third towards the end of the year and it wasn't really moving a whole lot, uh, moving a whole lot of the needle. But he seems to be looking a lot better this year, especially from the Minnesota tape I've seen. Uh, the Centennial Podcast. Hello. Uh, do you think Geeky's dominance in junior is from his sheer size or would he be dominating without it? It's His size helps. It's certainly a, a, a factor. I, that's what I believe. Um and I wouldn't say he's dominating. Like he's what got how many, like his involvement percentage is 23%, which is not great. Even though he's on a really, really talented team, that's what involvement percentage is for. Like Matthew Savoy is over 30% on the same team. And the fact that he's scoring so many points, like that just means Winnipeg is insane, which they are. But when I look at geeky, like he's got 24 points in 20 games on a team that is basically winning every single game. That's not bad. And again, like I said, Connor Geeky is probably a first round pick. Like, I think he should go in the first round, but not where people are ranking him. Um, but it, the, this, his size certainly helps, you know, but he does have some nice little plays under pressure. Um, he does have some nice little plays under pressure in the offensive zone, like little slippery passes into dangerous areas and setting up little plays here and there, which I do like. Um, and he does it better than a lot of guys in the draft, but... Again, the draft gets really even really quickly, and I think he's part of that meaty area of the draft towards the middle to the end of the first round that, I mean, he'll prob he's probably going to be gone by the time I'd be ready to pick him anyway. Um, but yeah, I think his size certainly has been helping him uh, a lot. But there are other factors that are, that, are, that are helping. Why is the NHL's development curve so weird? It varies from being an impactful player at D plus one or D plus four or higher. Because everybody's different. Like, I don't know. It there there's we talk about this in the Discord server all the time, like with you even. Like we, we life isn't a race. Like there's no there's no checkpoint where if you don't hit it or you do hit it, you are a success or a failure. Right? Like I mean, obviously there are situations where yes, you can be perceived as a a, a failure or a success, but 
there's no like point right like there's no they're athletes right they're they're developing muscle growth for example can vary incredibly between people like you would not believe how easy it can be for some people to build muscle muscle mass and how hard it can be for others and even for elite athletes you know you you'd be very you'd be very surprised at how much different human bodies can vary between people um and i don't know it could be a psychological factor maybe a kid is in a bad fit with the organization maybe it's a kid who requires a little bit of communication every so often or really often with a, a development coach or a player or or feeling like you're part of something to really motivate you to maximize your 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 output and if they don't get that that can delay their development or stagnate it or it's the opposite they're getting talked to too much they're getting too much information they're you know like they it can be that's part of the problem with drafting and why it makes it so random at times because it feels like some teams may or may not do their homework on the players they actually draft to the point where they know how to best manage them as people. They just go, well, here's our system, here's our team, welcome aboard, go home and keep working. You know, um, see you in camp. I don't know, maybe that works for some people, some other people it might not. Training might ha might happen quickly for some people, it might not for others. Um, it's just, it's just a, a fact of life that everybody is different. Uh, is Gleb Trikozov, uh, I saw a Gleb Trikozov question, so I have to answer. Um, is Gleb Trikozov better than Ivan Moroshnashenko, more projectable? I think Moroshnashenko is more projectable. I mean, the thing with Gleb Trikozov is for me, like for me, it's the potential of his game. It's not, it's not where he is now. He's very unrefined. His, his, his defensive reads are basically, are, I don't know, not clear. They are hit and miss i'd say like he really is a much different player when the puck is on his stick right like he's really mobile really quick really active in play shooting passing everything with the puck without it there's not a ton there his his puck corralling on pass receptions is also pretty weak um whereas with maroshnashenko i see a much stronger literally stronger player like he's a good sort of power winger with some skill um, you know, guys can be on top of him in the VHL and he finds a way to make a play. I think that the at the end of the day, Trikozov could be a better player than Moroshnashenko. But I look at Moroshnashenko right now and go, yeah, he's not having the best season so far. And I think that's pretty much without dispute. I don't think any I don't think I've heard anyone dispute that. It's he's having a lackluster season, but there is a lot of tools that you can see that actually kind of work. Like like a lot of it comes down to his strength for me. And just his ability to to stay in control of the puck when things are greasy. And I feel like that's something very projectable. Whereas with Gleb, I don't really see that as much. I, I see him as much more of a guy who needs some space to work with. A little bit hit or miss with creating that space. And really some, some things need to improve defensively. But I think at the end of the day, those two guys are not only comparable, but I could see them flipping in terms of where they're at in 10 years for example i think gleb trikozov could be an electrifying offensive winger in the nhl even even i don't even i think i don't think he's played center but just the ability for him to cover the ice and use open ice to his advantage you know it seems like he has a bit of trouble getting off the boards so that might be a thing that i think about but as a winger i i've loved what i've seen of him at least when he's at his best and i've learned to trust that 
Uh, Slavkovsky isn't exactly lighting up the Liga, but he doesn't seem to get dumped on publicly like Brian Lambert, even though their production is similar. What gives? Well, that's a great question. Um, I mean, Slavkovsky, I think with Slavkovsky, part of it is, well, he's big. That's one. He's big and skilled. I think that's a thing that teams are looking for, especially nowadays in 2022. Well, it's 2021, but it's almost 2022. Um... I think people also have expectations of Brad Lambert. Like, people are expecting him to be up here. And keep in mind, this is his second year in the Liga. Yuri Slavkovsky played a lot of last year at the under-18 level. He played a, a, quite a bit at the U-20 level as well. But I don't think he played at the yes, at the Liga level, at least not nearly as much as, uh, as Lambert did. Um... So I think with Slavkovsky, I think people are looking at that track record and saying, okay... Uh, you know, I think people are looking at that track record and giving them a lot more of a lot more leeway. I mean, I don't know. I think with Brad Lambert, people see a flashy, fast, undersized player, especially for a center, and go, "He's not lighting up the league, so why would we draft him?" And you know, whatever. Like, if that's if that's your opinion, then let him slip. You know, like let him slip. Have a good yeah. So Slavkovsky played last season at the under twenty level, basically the whole year. Um, personally, I am not as optimistic on Slavkovsky. I I think that I mean I have him towards the back of my top ten. I think so. I have him at nine. And you know what? I it, I, I don't think he's going to be there at nine, regardless. But I could be easily convinced to pass on him for a guy like Moroshenko or or Kamel Danila Yurov, but he'll probably be gone. Like Seamus Casey is probably going to be the guy where. At seventh overall, I'm going, yeah, I'd, I'd take Seamus Casey here. Yeah, I'd take Seamus Casey here. Yeah, I'd take Seamus Casey here. And then it's like 17th overall, and I'm going, I would take Seamus Casey here for sure. I mean, maybe Matthew Savoy lasts a few more picks than he should. But with Slavkovsky, you know, he's he's got some really nice ability to keep play going when guys are pressuring him, and I think NHL scouts latch onto that. Like, I've seen him get pinned against the boards, and somehow he just like Hulk hands his his hands free and then just like slaps the puck directly to a teammate in a dangerous area of the ice. Like he works hard, he's big, he's strong, he's got a lot of these projectable traits. I just wonder like what his upside is in the NHL. I, I think he could be a good NHL power winger, like middle six, at the very least a good set a good third line player, potentially a really good second line guy who can just keep play moving, play with strength, and, and and play an NHL player's game, you know, real meat and potatoes, and it works, I could see that. Um, but I think with Brad Lambert, it's just people are looking at it and going, one, he's a little bit frustrating to watch at times. Two, he's undersized. Three, he hasn't taken a step forward in terms of putting points on the board when he's a player that should be putting points on the board, and they just go, ah, that spooks me. But I ain't scared. Uh, so Matthew Savoy is looking unstoppable. He's had he's only been held scoreless in three games this season. Has Savoy, has Savoy sort of distanced himself from right when it comes to offense? See, this is the this is the the what's the maximum amount you can put on an entry level contract? Is it three point seven seven five million dollars now? So what's three point seven seven five times three? 11 point okay that is the 11 million three hundred and twenty five thousand dollar question right like <laughs> right uh that's the 11.325 million dollar question is what so if you're if you're keen-eyed 
It's okay if you're not. Um, I I made a change on my list and put Shane Wright back the way it was at the beginning of the season with him in a tier on his own with Brad Lambert, Matthew Savoy, and Logan Cooley. Those four guys, I think you could have an argument that any of those guys could be the best player in this year's draft when you look back on it in, in 10 years. I really like Shane Wright. I think there's a really good player there. I think there's a really smart, technical, incisive, sort of surgical, offensive player there. But I look at him and I don't see a player that gets me out of my seat. I don't see a player who is going to dominate in the NHL or like really, really gonna move the needle. He's super smart. I like his skill and his ability to to open up space and find space and keep play moving. And he's a great sort of offensive quarterback in that sense. But I wonder about when the game gets faster around him, he's got a wicked shot. He'll be a power play threat regardless of what happens to him. But I look at Matthew Savoy and Brad Lambert even and Logan Cooley, less so Logan Cooley, but I think he belongs in that group. And I go, those other three guys excite me a lot more. They get, they get, they, Brad Lambert, I think has rush offense potential that he has rush offense potential that I think is more projectable. Someone mentioned John Tavares just in a comment there. And I can see that. But the thing about John Tavares is he had like two points per game in his draft eligible season. And Shane Wright had a hot couple of games and he's still kind of, yeah, he's on pace for 81 points. Like that's, that's good. But when I see John Tavares, I saw, when I, re- I remember John Tavares in junior, I don't see the sort of adaptive sort of strength under pressure that John Tavares has where he can find that space in the offensive zone, have a quick turn and shoot, and and it's in the back of the net. Maybe I haven't seen that out of Shane Wright just yet because I just haven't watched the right games, the the right games. But, I mean, I, I look at John Tavares, and that's a guy who scored like 70 goals at 15. And Shane Wright, I just, I, I again, like... It's the same thing as it's the same feeling I had with like Alexi Lafreniere. You can see the potential, but there's that that back of your head thing where you're going, there's something weird going on here. Like there's something there's something not quite that's that's not hold that's holding him back from being like dominant. Right? Like it's it's a little bit strange. He and he and Matthew Savoy, I mean, it's it's just a little strange to me. Um but again, like I definitely don't I definitely don't think um I definitely don't think he's like bad and I definitely don't but I definitely don't think that he's this like lock at number 1. Like right now across the board he's number 1 overall. I could easily see him at the end of the year being as low as 3 on my board. I don't know if I am super confident about that, but I just get the feeling that there's just a bleh, something something's funny there. Um so I think with Savoy, I don't think he's distanced himself so much, but it's more that I think that the conversation is more complicated now. Um, and I still, I'm still on the Brad Lambert trade and, and you won't be able to get me off of it. Um, and again, it's, it's one of these situations again, where I don't really want the first overall pick because I don't want to have to pick. I'd rather have like fourth or fifth and one of Lambert or Savoy falls because you just know it's going to happen. 
you just know. Like, William Eklund went to seventh overall. You just know that one of those names, because they're, they're, they're not big and they're exciting to watch and not physical and strong and, and this sort of style of play that NHL teams are looking for, I just get the feeling that one of those guys is going to slip and you may as well, if you have the second overall pick, great, but you may as well have like sixth or fifth and you just close your eyes and draft whatever guy slips to your pick because you just have a laugh and, and have a good time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's complicated, but it's still pretty, it's still pretty, uh, still a pretty long ways out. Uh, a deal. Hello. Uh, who, who, uh, who has been the most fun player to watch or track so far? Anyone, abs anyone with absolutely ridiculous numbers so far? Um, the most fun player for me to watch and track so far, I think has been Seamus Casey. I absolutely adore how that guy plays the game. I, I think that there is so, so much potential. Someone in the Discord server mentioned he reminds reminds him of Devin Taves, and I definitely see that. And I think Devin Taves is one of the most underrated players in the game. He plays the style of defense that I would look for in a defenseman, right? Like, Seamus Casey is not the biggest guy, but you can't touch him. His edge work is unbelievable. You know, his skill level is really, really good. He can shoot. He's he's a great, just a great puck handler. Um, you know, his ability to get off the wall and get into open ice and just find space and routes and, and just the creativity that he plays with the game. Like, I just want to, like, sit him down, grab him by the shoulders and go, keep doing what you're doing. Like Adam Sandler in, in, in Billy Madison. Just, like, grab him and go, don't ever change what you're doing and just get better at what you're doing. Like, just do the thing. Like, do your thing. Because I love it. Like, just do it, you know? And I don't know. I've got him top five. And I honestly... Because I, I was watching guys like Yurov and Kamel and Mirosh Nishenko and blah, 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 blah. And then I go back to Seamus Casey, especially relative to the other defensemen like Simon Nemish and David Juracek and Ty Nelson. I just go, like, this guy just is a boss. Like, he's just a boss. And I just... You know, maybe it's because those other guys play pro level and, and, and maybe Ty Nelson is just, I don't know. But I, I look at I look at Seamus Casey as a guy where I am excited to watch him play. And and then when I'm watching the game, I'm going, yeah, I'm excited watching this guy. Um, I'm a big, big fan of him. You know, I, I think there's especially a lot of growth to go in his game. Uh, really, really impressive hockey player. Um, and in terms of like ridiculous numbers, well, we can go through these charts this is accessible to any patron level, by the way. A buck a month, you get access to my track data laid out in a visualization form. Um, so you can tell all your friends how smart you are when you look at these and say, I want this player. Um, but a player with ridiculous numbers. I mean, Danny Zhilkin, I've only tracked one game, but he had a pretty nuts, uh, a nutty game. Um, I really should filter this for multiple games, but I didn't, so ha. Huh? Uh, I am wondering, though, like... Hmm. Ludwig Pearson had a pretty nutty game that one time. Isaac Howard has had some some good games. Logan Cooley has some great data. Uh, I believe the NTDP has some crazy ones. Who's this? Yeah, Tyler Duke after two games is insane. I love Tyler Duke and I still, I will die on that hill. He's ranked as my one, two, three, fourth best defenseman. Uh, fifth best defenseman, sorry. And I, I mean... We can run down the list of defensemen on my list. Like, Seamus Casey, yeah, he's my number one right now for defensemen. Simon Nemish, I don't think he's that far back from Casey, but it's a really close range. Um, but, yeah, him. And then Juracek, 
I'm not as high on Juracek, but I could see the potential of his game for sure. Ty Nelson, I'm a big fan of. Um, Tyler Duke. So Tyler Duke is ahead of Cali Odelius. To me, that's close. I like both of those defensemen a lot. Lane Hudson, depends on what game you're watching, because sometimes I've seen him and he's done nothing. Some games I've seen him and he's outstanding. Um, But I like him as well. Ryan Chesley, I like him more than Ryan Chesley. I like him more than Elias Salomonson. I like him more than Mats Lindgren. I like him more than Vladimir Grudinin. Um, I like him more than Pavel Mitiukov. I mean, I really like Vladimir Grudinin, though. I feel like after seeing him in the KHL, he could easily be higher on my list than maybe, uh, I don't know, Lindgren, Salomonson, and Chesley, at least. Um, that, that feels good in my brain, but I have more Grudinin to watch. But to answer your question, like, Tyler Duke has been some pretty wild, uh, has been some pretty, has had some pretty wild data so he's in some of the best in terms of driving offensive danger and driving, you know, suppressing defensive danger for a five foot nine defenseman. Imagine that. Uh, he also is one of the most common defensemen to step up in the offensive zone and take chances for himself. So here he is here. So in terms of offensive threat, he's right up there with other defensemen uh, when it comes to shooting and passing the puck into dangerous areas. So Kevin Korchinski, to me, that makes sense. Uh, Elias Pettersson, I feel like that regresses over time. And then there's Tyler Duke just doing his thing. Um, I really, really like Tyler Duke. And so he's probably the one where the the data looks really, really good overall. Uh, and I believe that he is a factor in that. Um, so there's that. Uh, 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 uh. Yes, I mean Trevor Wong. I don't know who Tyler Wong is. I, I don't know who that is. Uh, my mistake. So Edmondson looks pretty good. Yes. Does the pick make more sense to you now that he's leading the SHL in teenage scoring by a defenseman all time? Also, are you buying Soderblom as a potential six top six winger? So I'm going to tread very lightly because uh, you're a Detroit Red Wings fan and um, they're loving their prospects these days. So Simon Edmondson, to me at the time, wasn't a bad pick. Um, it made sense to me. I mean, they took more at Cider and did a thing with him. And I saw some similarities in a sense to, to Cider there. Um, but with Edvinson, the thing that really has surprised me is that he's much more offensively engaged, you know, like at the defensive side of his game was good. It feels like they're just sort of telling him, okay, like the puck management definitely, definitely was a problem, right? Like that was a problem that you cannot ignore, but nowadays what he's doing is, you know, yeah, there's the 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 really a- a extreme stretch passing that works out a lot these days, which good for him. But it seems like his off puck offense is way more aggressive than it was. Um, he's doing a lot more with the puck on his stick rather than passing the puck, uh, which I didn't see a ton of last year. He's relying more on his skill and his feet to sort of carry him around a lot better with the puck on his stick, which I love. And that's just sort of an alternative path to take. Um, as opposed to being sort of a gunslinging pass first defenseman, which he kind of was last year and wasn't too good at it. So it kind of makes sense based on what I've seen of him in the SHL this year. And Mitch Brown did a great write-up about him in, in Elite Prospects in EP Ringside, so you should check that out if you can. Um, I still probably would have gone with William Eklund. I mean, you look at William Eklund in the NHL this year, and I thought he looked great. Um, but Edmondson would have been a perfectly reasonable suggestion for me. Uh... And I mean, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with what he's done this year. It's outperformed my expectations. Again, it's similar to Seth Jarvis. I just didn't expect it to be so quick. But it is sort of relying on stuff more often that he's already good at rather than trying to patch holes, right? Like, I feel like there's more of that. 
uh, which I like to see. I love seeing defensemen being assertive and jumping into play and playing offensively and, and being creative, and he's doing that. Um, and with Soderblom as a top six winger, I don't think I see it. I see Soderblom as a guy who's going to score points because you park him in front of the net on the power play at even strength. Who cares? You just park him in front of the net and he has the hands in tight to make it work. Can it work? In, can it like, I don't really, I've never seen him as a particularly excellent play driver, but as a finisher. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. Cause I think he's got like a bazillion goals relative to his assists. Um, I think he'll be an NHL player in some way. Like he's big and he's filling out pretty well. Uh, but I just get the feeling that it's more like, yeah, he's got nine goals and three assists in, in, in 21 games. Like, I feel like you just park him in front of the net and let him, let him just follow up on other people's offense. And that's fine. I think that works. And again, in the sixth round, great golden. Good for him. Um, so yeah, I, We'll see how he does. Uh, oh no, he's not eligible for the World Juniors. My mistake. But um, I think as like a third or third line guy, sure, I could see it. And you put him out on the power play, and he just gets power play goals by filling the net because he's literally huge. Um, what up, Alfredo? Hello. Uh, da, 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 da. thoughts on Pavel Mintyukov? I don't know why I did that. Um, I'm thinking. Pavel Mintyukov is a ton of fun to watch. He, I, I said this in the Discord server, and now I can't get the thought out of my head. He kind of reminds me, and you're going to laugh, uh, but don't. He reminds me a little bit of Rasmus Ristolainen. Now, you are probably... A lot of my audience is much younger than myself, um, but I remember watching Rasmus Ristolainen as a young person, a very young person, and the offensive side of his game was legitimately very impressive. His puck skill and the, the, the range of his game and his offensive output was awesome. It's just the Buffalo Sabres tried to turn him into Victor Hedman, and that's not what he is. Um, I look at Mintyukov and see a really entertaining player that does have some flaws. Like, I don't think in terms of pure sort of skill and aggression offensively, I don't think there's a defenseman that is as daring as Mintyukov is. Like, I'm trying to think, like, Ty Nelson doesn't cut in from the blue line with the puck on his stick and attack the net himself super often. I don't think I've ever seen him do it because he doesn't, that's not his game. Nemish doesn't do it. Juracek doesn't do it. Casey doesn't do it. Duke off the puck might do it a little bit, but not as much as I've seen uh, Mintyukov do it. Um, not Odelius. Yeah, like Mintyukov might be the guy that just is just, I am basically a forward mode and I love it. I think he's just, I think he's just phew, wonderful. Um, but when, when he's not great, he's not great. Like I've seen him, like he, he, he's very aggressive at the offensive blue line. He's had multiple two-on-ones going the opposite way from challenging too often and just not having that first step or first couple of steps of quickness to, to be involved enough. Um, but that's a thing that I think you can learn. Uh, I've seen him just like abandon the front of the net where a guy is staying, like he'll be back checking and there's a guy there and he'll just chase the puck around when he really should not. Um, but I think you can work on that. And I love the guy. I think he's just skilled and a ton of fun to watch. 
And with the right team, like the Carolina Hurricanes, I feel like would draft him and be like, whatever. Like the idea of him on a different defense pairing is like Scott Morrow. And you have two guys who just play insanely offensive hockey. I'm all for it. I, I like it. Um, Minchukov is a ton of fun. How good is Denton Matichuk? Uh, okay, so we just talked about guys that like to engage from the offensive blue line. Matichuk might be another one. Um, I'm not the biggest Matichuk guy. I've got another game of his lined up to do soon. I see that he's scoring a ton of points and his involvement percentage is crazy and he's young. And I definitely think that he could work his way into my sort of late first round. But I don't really uh, see... I don't know. It's it's weird. His defensive game, I don't really like from what I've seen. His passing in the game I tracked was very reserved. Like, I'll show the data. Um, I, I I like sort of the... the If he pushes off his edges, he can get into space super quickly. And, and he just really knows how to... Uh, how to you know, just really jump into play and, and he, and he gets really aggressive, um, with his positioning. And, and I dig that, but I need to see more. I'm really in a holding pattern with him. Um, yeah, like, I just don't know. He, he took a bunch of his team's shots from the point and they were all low danger. Uh, he wasn't the most efficient or most involved offensive player, but defensively he was very involved. I just don't know if this holds, like, I just, I kind of thought that this, like, a lot of his defensive involvement was was physical challenges, and I'm not sure I really buy that a guy that small is as good as the data indicates defensively. Um, so, I, I don't know. I just need to see, I just need to see more of him. Um, but I, I don't know. From what I've seen, it's kind of up and down, and I'm not the, I haven't seen a ton that I've, like, loved out of him. But in isolation, there's a few plays where you're going, oh, okay, like, I kind of see what he's all about. Um. Oh, David St. Louis. He just mentioned Matichuk is the these three are the most. Uh, I'm going to assume you mean like your favorite guys to watch there: Mintukov, Casey, and Matichuk. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, with with Matichuk, I'll be patient. I'm not writing him off. Obviously, this is just one game. I need to do another one at least. Uh, for now, and we'll see. But. I don't know. I just feel like, again, relative to where I've seen him and, and what people are saying about him, I just haven't seen it, personally. Uh, Yuri Slavkovsky suddenly jumped on boards. Any justification? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do the goods outweigh the bads for Savoy? Yes. Connor Geeky is six foot five. Will, you can't teach that. You should know this by now. That's true. You often mention Justin Cote. What are you seeing in his game? Not as much as I used to. Uh, he is a buzzsaw. He's a lot of fun to watch. Like, he's quick and agile. I love the shot that he's got. His scoring instincts are really, really good. Um, but I just... I have a game of his to track as well for next week. So I'll have more to say about him then. But I remember tracking him and going, eh. Like, I, he, ha he was in my first round to start the season just as, like, a placeholder. But I've bumped him down to the middle of the second round. And I feel like I could see him dropping further. Uh, I, I, I could easily see him dropping further than where I've got him right now. Um, but again, like this range of the draft for me, like the the most of the second round from like 30 to, to 50, 60 is super, 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 super close um, for me. 
but I feel like of all of them, like Kote, you wouldn't have to push me as much to to say no. Again, like last year, I loved Logan Stankoven because even though he was small, there's so, so many things that you can look at and go, yeah, but who cares? Like, look at what he does. Whereas with Justin Kote, it's like, he tries hard, he's rambunctious, and, and he's fun to watch, but I feel like he's more of that Xavier Simono, right? Like, I like Simono. I, I think he should have been drafted multiple times. But again, not as not as much as his production might indicate. But I feel like someone will draft him later than he should be available. Um, and he could score a lot of points in junior, and maybe he turns into something. Maybe. Uh, but the, again, like there isn't a lot of diversity to his game. And I feel like over time, he's just kept getting bumped down my list. I need to hydrate. I'm sore. Delicious. Uh, give us your prediction of China, Canada. Ooh. Prediction of China, Canada. <clears throat> Well, Canada might have who? Carey Price in net? I mean, uh... Like, the Chinese team, I think, has been released. They're playing tournaments as the Chinese team. Like, they're gonna be bad. I, uh, they're gonna be bad. But Canada did win one nothing against a Latvian team where three quarters of them were like KHL third pair guys, third or third line guys. But I don't think that's going to happen with China. I I just uh, we'll go five nothing. I think nah, screw it. It's going to be just it's going to be terrible. Uh, I'll say twelve, twelve nothing Canada. Um. And they'll just, it'll be like 10 nothing after two periods. But I'm going to watch that game, and everybody else will too. Um, <laughs> uh, in my opinion, one of the best names coming up is Dalibor Dvorsky. That is a good name. It's a very, very good one. Thoughts on Co and Robbins lighting their leagues up? You know, again, you can't judge a team's draft the day that they draft their players. But you kind of can sometimes when it's the San Jose Sharks, uh, you could have thrown Daniil Gushin's name in there because all those guys have been have been torching their league, uh, their leagues. Uh, I, I love Brandon Coe. Tristan Robbins is technically an overager in the WHL, so a guy of his caliber should be destroying the WHL, and I've seen a few Saskatoon games, and yeah, he's really, really good, and, you know, probably an AHL player that's really, really good next year, and we'll see what happens after that. But yeah, like, whatever, I'm not surprised. Brandon Coe, I'm also not really surprised. I, both of those guys I've really, really enjoyed watching over the last couple of years. Why do you think highly touted overage players like Ty Felhaber or Justin Brazo can't succeed at higher levels? They've both flamed out badly since getting contracts. Because, like, you're looking at a player... Th those three, those two guys were 20 years old, turning 21, when they signed their pro contracts and scored a ton of points in junior. We're looking at junior-aged players, like, we're looking at drafting players at the, when they're first eligible when they are three years younger than that. It's just, it's such a long time to be playing at that level to get better at it and more experienced and just more dominant. Justin Brazo is also huge and has some skill to him as well, 
and that definitely helps in the in the in the OHL. Like when those two guys really hit their stride, they really they were older, right? And it's kind of the expectation. They earned the right to be signed, I think, both of those guys. You take your chances on them, sure. But for starters, like the CHL, once you get past drafting the really, really high-end guys, it becomes really questionable what the value is drafting a CHLer more often than not, especially an overage one or something, because you don't get to you they don't stay at that level very long. And then you gotta ram them into the AHL and hope that it works. And the AHL, pro hockey in general, you've got faster, older, more experienced guys. And when those guys have been in junior for, for some some of them, when they're 16, 17, 18, 19, five seasons, that's a really, really long time. And it's a big change. And I just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crapshoot, I think, in a lot of cases. But also, it's, it's just, it's, it's just a different world outside of junior hockey. When guys, when you go from being 20 against 17-year-olds to 21 against 30 year olds like it's a different universe and they are there for their jobs and they are out there and they will kill you um whereas in junior you're used to being the big dog it's a it's a big shift and i don't know it's just not it's it's why i always sort of value european players a little bit more it's why i look at pro hockey experience really really with a lot of value um, because you at least have that knowledge. You see it at the age of 17 with a lot of these guys, and some guys are even older. I've put Yegor Suchkov back on my list here in my early third round because I've watched him in the KHL this year, and I've watched him in the VHL this year at 20, 21 years old, and I go, yep, this guy's still the same player, and I think he's really undervalued, and people should be paying more attention to him, and they're not because he's five foot eight. I still really think there's a good player there. Because he's a good player in the KHL, and I believe he's the best shot attempt differential player in the in the VHL for his team. Um, so it's you know with overage guys and like old college guys, the teams draft or sign, I should say. It's why I don't get my hopes up. It's just you know it's just not always. It's not this gold mine more often than not. Sometimes it works, sure. And you should take these flyers on these guys just to see what they can do. Sure, I get it. But it's just, you, you shouldn't set your bar so high uh, with, with guys that are overagers getting drafted and signed in, in, into the NHL. It's just not always the best indicator, I should say. Uh, Lucas Raymond scored another goal. Good for him. Hey, Will, I'm wondering if you've seen any of Arseny Koromislav or Cole Knubel. I really like Cole Knubel. I'll say that much. Really, really liked him. I've liked him every time I've seen him. At the Holinka, I really liked him. Off-season tournament uh, with the USA team, I really liked him. Uh, the game I tracked with Fargo, really liked him. Um, Arseny Koromislav, I think he's just a guy. I've not seen... I liked... I, I don't know. He's one of these guys where there was a few flashes last year where I go, I'm going to keep an eye on this guy for next year. And then I've watched him this year, and I just don't really know. Like, it's like Vladislav Lukashevich. I go, okay, like, he's okay for the MHL, okay. But I just, like, I saw Craig Button have him in the first round, and I just don't see it with Karomislav. But I'll do some more games on him and, and check up on him in the in the KHL. I should write that down just so I don't forget. Uh, there. Um... 
What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? I lost my spot. These stupid refreshes. Brazo at least wasn't really high, that highly touted or he would have been able to get better than an AHL contract. False. Uh, he said in an interview that he turned down NHL entry-level contracts to sign with the Toronto Marlies. Um, if you haven't seen him yet, take a look at Vladimir Andreev. Okay, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Vladimir Andreev, six foot six, freaking guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Playing with SKA's second junior team. Okay, Variagi tape. Love getting into some Variagi tape. Uh, thoughts on Ethan Gauthier versus Tyler Peddle. I can't give you I can't give you thoughts on those guys because I have no idea who they are. Um, but at least I am telling you up front. Oh, they're because they're not draft eligibles. That's why. I don't even know that 2023 exists. I don't even know if we're gonna make it to 2023. So uh, I'll. I'll take a look at these guys at some point. I'm just messing with you. I'll take a look at them. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm just just yanking you. Uh, okay, so I think I saw some Twitch questions. Jack Devine thoughts. I think someone else asked about Jack Devine. Um, Jack Devine, Jack Devine, Jack Devine. Anyway. Um... Where am I? What am I doing here? Uh, Jack Devine. Yeah, so Jack Devine thoughts. Uh, I mean, I think he's a, recent, a decent second round pick level guy. Um, there's some skill there. I did my second game of his today over lunch. And his name is Jack Devine. Like, he drives really, really good shooting metrics. But not a lot of them are from him. Like, he's got... His team takes 33 dangerous shot attempts per 60 minutes with him on the ice. He's taking 2.2 of them. That's not great. That's not a great indicator. Um, he's not shooting the puck. He's a good playmaker, I think. Like, a good perimeter playmaker. He puts pucks into the center of the ice pretty well. He's got some skill. Um, but I just... I think he's a decent NCAA guy. Pick him in the second round, and maybe you have a nice, skilled playmaking winger there. But I'm not, like, over the moon about his game. I, I think there's more guys that I'm more excited about. Like, if he slips into the third round, maybe, then I think you're getting into good value territory. Like, he's at 39 on my list. You know, and, and I could see him being taken, for me, over guys like David Goyette, but that's really close. Paravalov, Matthias Hovlid, Philip Bistead, Cole Knubel. Like, that's a... I could see him slipping past all those guys by the end of the year for me, based on how much I like those other names. Even Tristan Luneau... Even Nathan Gaucher, in a sense. Um, but again, it's hard because Divine plays college and he's a freshman. Like, it's tough. It's not easy. Um, but I feel a little bit like his game's a little bit limited. Like, I, his skating is kind of okay. Um, you know, Denver is kind of not afraid of these sort of skill-first guys that have a bit of trouble with, with the skating part of the game. Like, guys like Bobby Brink, for example. But I definitely don't see a Bobby Brink and Jack Divine. At least not... Not yet, but I don't I don't think that's coming. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just not a guy I've been over the moon about. But a perfectly reasonable player. Could Fantilli make the under-20 world junior team? Uh, he seems to be on fire with 14 goals in 19 games. That's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. He's been outstanding. Every time I watch Chicago, I go, who's 19? And then I go, oh yeah, it's Adam Fantilli, dum-dum. And it, and it is Adam Fantilli every single time. Like, he is outstanding and against junior competition like 
yeah, I have no worries about him. I, I think that he could, I mean, I imagine he'll be at the camp. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make the team, but I feel like he has enough talent to make the team. Um, and I just, yeah, I've got all the time in the world for Adam Fantilli for sure. Any thoughts on David Spacek? Uh, no, but I'll again add him to the list for my midnight scouting after dark session. <laughs> David Spacek. Uh, if you were GM of the Canadians, what would you do? Oh my God. Oh, geez. Um, okay, this is fun. I like where this is going. Uh, okay, so we'll go to Cap Friendly with Montreal. So you've got a first round pick, a sec at least a first round pick, a second round pick, three third, two se two fourths, two sevenths, a fifth, and a sixth. Um, so okay, uh, well, I mean, the easy thing to say you you trade Ben Sherratt. If you can get a first round pick for Ben Sherratt, you trade him yesterday. Ben, ben Brett Kulak. I like Brett Kulak and that might, he's 27. That might be a guy that you keep for like good per dollar value. I think you're stuck with Jeff Petrie. I think you're stuck with David Savard, even though he has a no, no, no trade clause. I think you're, I don't know who's going to take the David Savard contract. You got three more years after this at three and a half million. I don't know who else is going to take that deal unless you retain. I might think about trading him and retaining half if I'm just going into a rebuild, because I think that's what Montreal kind of needs. Fresh, fresh thinking, fresh everything, just, just fresh everything and just a reboot. I feel like, you know, I like Josh Anderson a lot, but I feel like there is an appetite out there for a team to really overpay for him for what he gives you. Like, I love his straight line offense, the shot, everything is great. But at $5.5 million at 27 years old, like, you could keep him, of course. Like, and again, I'm just spitballing. You could keep him. But for me, I look at that and go, okay, what, what, if, I, what, if, what if I put the word out that he could be available? What would I get, right? Especially if I'm looking at a rebuild. Because by the time his, con like, how many more good years of Josh Anderson are left? I don't know. I don't really care if I'm looking at moving him. But is there an NHL team out there that thinks that he is going to be at least worth the worth more than he's paid until he isn't for long enough that it makes a lot of sense to get him? And I think there's an NHL team out there that's willing to pay a lot to get him. And I just feel like, again, if you're going to rebuild your team, the guys you want left behind are guys that are happy to be left behind and like motivating and helping the new sort of generation. Like I would do whatever I could to not trade Brendan Gallagher, for example. Jonathan Drouin, he's having a bit of a reboot season. I honestly would sit him down and be like, are you happy here? Like after taking so much time off last year, like would you be happier somewhere else? Because we're kind of going into a bit of a tailspin. You've got a lot of good years left and I don't want to see you wasting them after what you've been through. Like I don't... I. You just have to be on the same level. And if he's happy being a Montreal Canadian and you think that his influence would be beneficial because of what he's been through and all that stuff, then sure, I think you could keep Druan as a guy that helps the next generation of Montreal Canadians sort of come to fruition. I think Christian Dvorak, you kind of have to keep him. He's like a, he's a good center and you just got him and you paid a lot to get him. He's still pretty young. I think you can keep him. Tyler Toffoli, I feel like a team will pay a lot of money to pick up a Tyler Toffoli off your team. 
Yoel Armia, I feel like Armia and Lekkonen are guys that I'd want to keep because I've really liked them. And if I'm drafting, I'll probably be drafting quite a few Europeans. And I think that it is beneficial to have that sort of cultural influence in the locker room and on the team. So those guys I might think about keeping. There's going to be a team that's going to want Cedric Paquette. You trade Cedric Paquette. I never have been super enthralled with Paquette's game. Nick Suzuki, yep, you keep him. Cole Caulfield, obviously you keep him. Jake Evans, I think you keep him as well. I mean, they just extended him, so you should be keeping him. I honestly might keep Michael Pozzetta because he's fun to watch and he can be kept dirt cheap. And you know what? He's fun and I I, I like fun. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think he's a massive NHL player, but to go through the, 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 the rebuild, sure. Again, uh, Ryan Paling, yeah, I guess you keep him. I don't know what you'd even get for him. But Jeff Petrie, I feel like you're going to keep him. Uh, who who acquires Jeff Petrie? Uh, I don't know. I, I, he's playing very poorly every time I've seen Montreal this year. David Savard, you're probably keeping him. Sherratt, you, you get rid of. Kulak, I get the feeling that you could maybe keep him pretty cheap because I've liked Kulak sort of as a defense-first guy. Romanov, you keep around. Norlander, you keep around. I like Sami Niku, um, but I wonder how much damage is done to his career. But I keep him around because you never know on a rebuilding team. Mike Hoffman, maybe there's an appetite to take him. Joel Edmondson, I feel like a team will take him. It's honestly for me as as GM of the of the Habs, like you're you're done. Like it's just they're not good enough. And the last time I said this, they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs three straight games and won the series. So maybe whatever, but you can't play the Toronto Maple Leafs for the rest of the season, unfortunately. I just think that it's just, they they put a lot out there in the playoffs and they're not the same anymore. Um, I And I just think that what Montreal kind of needs is just a total reboot, right? Like, the 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 Mayu draft pick was just a symptom of something else going on. Like Mark Bergevin still being pretty tone deaf about all of the 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 discussions that are going on in hockey. Um, you know, it just feels like the Canadians just need a total turnover. Go, you know, go young, go fast, go exciting. I I remember watching in the off season, watching old Montreal Canadiens games, classic games, watching the. You know, Guy Lafleur and and all of these guys that were just unbelievable and exciting hockey players. And I just, you know, I just wonder what Montreal would be like if they were a fast and exciting and skilled and fun to watch team that just instead of this, let's beat the crap out of everyone and take so many penalties that we can't, they can't call all of them type team, you know, and and never really fully trust skilled players. I'd much rather see a Montreal Canadiens team that's just wicked awesome and fun and fast and young and exciting and you just ride that ride that style of play. Because I think that you could do it, especially with how much teams might be willing to play for some of the guys off your roster like Sherratt, maybe Edmondson, uh Josh Anderson for example, Tyler Toffoli. Like you could start a pretty solid rebuild, especially with three third round picks and an extra fourth round pick. I definitely feel like there could be that, but I feel like for Montreal, I mean, if you're hiring me, you're going in a drastically different direction. That's just me, but I'm also not a general manager. Uh, who's a player in this draft that has a lot of tools in the toolbox, but can't put them all together. Uh, well, 
Um, a lot of tools in the toolbox, but can't put them together. Maybe Isaac Howard, Noah Osland. Noah Osland, I think, is a really good example of that. So let's say Noah Osland. If his skating improves, then booyah, you've got a really, really good player. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of tools with Osland, but in every game I've tracked, he just kind of hasn't... There's not much sort of oomph to his game. He's just kind of there, chipping in, doing okay, just, yeah. I don't know. But but that's a guy where I think there's a lot of a lot of tools that sort of need to be combined all together. Uh, I'm trying to think of another one. Maybe maybe Brad Lambert, like on the extreme end, I think. Um been a ton of fun being able to watch the Guelph Storm this year. What are your thoughts on Carabella, Poitras, and Jilkin? I like Jilkin the most out of those three. I love the hands, but I love his skating. Uh it's it's not great, but it's really fun to watch in combination with his hands. Really, really good uh, playmaker in terms of getting pucks inside. He did it a ton in the game I tracked. Um, Carabella, I don't know. I have him on my watch list. I don't really know what to think about him. I wonder if he's just like a good OHL player, and I don't know how much of a needle mover he would be in the future. Poitras impressed me the game I watched today, or this week, I should say. Um, You know, smart, efficient player, pretty tactical uh, decent puck mover, decent playmaker, a really nice shot as well. Really, really nice release on his shot. He gets it off quick. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, I, I like Poitras, but I like Jilkin a little bit better. Carabella's ranked on my list, but I think he's on my watch list. And I haven't really seen a ton of him in like really close detail. But when I watched Jilkin, I didn't, I thought, okay, like he's okay. And then when I watched Poitras, I thought the exact same thing. And then when I've watched whatever tape I have seen of Carabella, I still just kind of think he's fine. I just, I won't take him off my list until I sort of do a deeper dive on him. Uh, is it just me or does this year's draft seem pretty weak for goalies? No, it's not. It's not just you. Uh, even outside potential first rounders. I haven't found a Levi or Garasimyuk who excite me as late round swings. Sergei Ivanov is one that I've kind of liked. Um... But that's it. I mean, I don't know what goalies I would draft. I mean, my if I'm looking for goalies for me on, like, team scouting or whatever, I've already got my goalies of Mikhail Burdan, Daniel, Daniel Vladar, uh, and uh, Dmitry Nikolaev, who's having a phenomenal season, again, in Russia, because of course he is. Um, so those are the guys that I've already got, so I don't really care about goalies anyway. But Sergei Ivanov is the only one that I've seen that I kind of have liked. Uh, Ty Voithots. Fun, skilled, offensive, OHL guy, slippery, a lot of fun. Shot in the dark drafting guys who didn't play last year, but he's with the one, one of the ones that I would have been happy taking a swing on. So good for the good for the Leafs. He's fun to watch. Um, I mean, for me, again, like going back to team scouting, I drafted two guys that went undrafted, and Yuri Tiachek and Lucas Gustafsson. I really like Lucas Gustafsson still. I still, I, you know, I could have... He wasn't available when Ty Voigt went, or when he... Ty Voigt wasn't available when I took Lucas Gustafson for, for my list in the seventh round. Um, in the sixth round, he obviously was because that was who the Leafs took. And I just, I saw Yuri Tiachek playing pro hockey against men and a five foot nine defender playing like he was playing with the results that he generated against men. I thought, God, if this guy just grows like a little tiny bit and gets a bit stronger and a bit more assertive with the puck look out and I feel like with Ty Voigt I wonder about projectability but again I hadn't seen him play last year so it's a big a big swing but I definitely think that 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 that's gonna be an interesting one to watch I've liked him this year with Sarnia for sure he's looked very 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 impressive 
What are your thoughts on Brad Lambert being sent back to U20? Uh, um, uh, I didn't know that he was. Um, I expect him to dominate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a strange decision. Oh, he played one game down there in, on, on Halloween, uh, but he's back in the Liga now. I don't know if he's been sent back. Um, oh, he played in the Liga today. So I'm not super concerned. Um, if he goes back to junior... I expect that he would be a very, very good junior player there. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Why is Sam the best part of McKean's video team? Um, why is Sam the best part of McKean's video team? Because he talks the loudest. And if you, we all know it's 2021. If you're the loudest talker in a room, you're the most popular, right? Tell me I'm wrong. I'm kind of half kidding, but he is a very loud talker. I respect it. I don't hate it. Just saying, that's what makes him the best. Uh, what do you think of Ryan Tverberg's breakout in the NCAA this year? You know, the University of Connecticut doesn't play in the most difficult of conferences, but for a guy his age to be producing the way he is, I've liked that's that's been very impressive. Um, yeah, I mean he's. It's, it's a little bit tough because uh, some of his games, like he played Ohio State and went scoreless. You know, he played Maine and scored four points in two games and Maine is not the program it was in the 90s. But he's doing very well. He's playing very well and better than I thought he would. Um, I, I saw him in the OJHL and just thought he was a guy and I never, ever, ever trust Canadian Junior A hockey. It's just so often they're not they're not that valuable and guys that are just over a point per game in the OJHL. I didn't really see much with Tverberg, but as a, whatever, it's the seventh round. So who cares? And he seems to be working out just fine. Uh, but we'll see. Time will tell. I, I haven't seen a ton of him in the, in the NCAA this year, but, but what I have seen has been pretty impressive for a guy his age. Uh, even if it is in a, in a, in a bit of a lighter conference, David St. Louis is a giant famous Casey fan too. Good for him. Smart boy. Uh, Mitch Brown is fighting me on him. Tell him he's wrong and tell him. Yeah, he is wrong. He's just wrong. Like Mitch, Br Mitch Brown is just Mitch Brong. <laughs> Mitch, I'm sorry. If you're watching or listening, I'm sorry. That was really stupid. <laughs> oh boy. So when tracking Warrior players in the WHL, how has Braden Yeager looked? Very good. He's playing on a line with Jagger Furcus. I like Jagger Furcus for sure. Uh... I like Jagger Furcus for sure, but Braden Yeager is, I feel like driving a little bit more of that bus. Um, cause he was playing together. They were playing together. The game I did of Furcus. I, yeah, Braden Yeager is a ton of fun. He's, he's probably in the, in the upper part of the 2023 boards for next year. Tell Mitch to come here one week. So everyone can fight it out in the glorious field of battle. YouTube live chat. Uh, yeah, that's an idea. I'm trying to get some guests, uh, for this show every so often, uh, cause, uh, it was a lot of fun when I had Sam and, and, and Greg on last time. So a few people have said yes. Um, so if, <laughs> yeah, so I'm happy to, uh, to, to have guests on the show cause I now have the infrastructure to do so. Uh, thoughts on Luca Del Belbelus and what's leading to the large discrepancy in production and draft stock. Um, well, I mean, he's not the flashiest player. He's got skill. He's got really nice hands for a guy his size, for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I I saw him and thought he was fine. Like, he's in my second round. I think he'll stay there. That's perfectly reasonable to me. 
He's scoring a lot of points, um, but I don't know. We'll see how the, a bigger sample looks. Ah, Tony Ferrari is here of, of the Hockey News. Hello, Tony. I hope you're well, too. Who is your favorite from the Jurgen forward, forward trio? Uh, I like the potential of Noah Usland the most, but of all of them, my favorite to watch right now is probably Ugrin, but I think the potential is highest with, with Usland. Uh, Twitch chat, boom. Uh, Jaden Struble, Jordan Harris thoughts. I like Jaden Struble a lot. Jordan Harris, I'm a little more hesitant on, but I love Jaden Struble's mobility and how he uses that as like a physical sort of punishing way. Um, we'll see how they transition to North American pro, but I've liked them both in the NCAA. They're very good NCAA defensemen, especially Struble. I've liked, um, I've seen a lot more of him to be perfectly honest than Harris, but Struble is a, is an interesting one for sure. Uh, oh, Tyler Wong was on the Marlies. That is true. He was. That's true. That's very, very true. Uh, he'll probably be on the Chinese national team, actually, I think. I think I've seen him as a dual citizen, uh, but I could be wrong. Compare Ugrin, Usland, and Lakaramaki for their play styles. Uh, so Usland is a smart but undersized possession center. Really nice skill. Uh, nice vision of the ice. Nice awareness of space good 200 foot player um but i just haven't seen him driving a ton of offense at five on five ugrin is a real interesting straight line player not a ton of dynamic ability in his game but he goes hard he goes fast he has some skill he's efficient um and i've liked him lakaramaki is a big one i don't really know what i think about lakaramaki and i've seen him a bunch he's got a great shot for sure I think the skill is really nice as well. Like he's a bit, his ability to sort of play around with the puck and change angles and such is really, really fun. Um, but other than that, I haven't seen that much else. I thought I would see more, but I just kind of haven't in the, in the SHL game I tracked, he wasn't really doing that much. Like, um, he had a cut, like, again, like he's at his best when the puck is handed to him in the offensive zone, which to me is a bit skeptical. It's a bit questionable. Like this is not good. And this is two games of data. And this, one of them is in the SHL, I should say, but this is not great. Uh, so yeah, like very inactive player going either direction, you know, like his offensive threat is under 10, and this is all five on five, I should mention as well. Like if you put Lakaramaki out on a power play, you're going to have a laugh. It's going to be great. But I, the game's not played on the power play. That, that's not when the most most of the game is played. Um, have you tracked Evan Kanyan? If so, what your thoughts? No, he's a guy that I've been meaning to look at. Um, so I will. I did coach Adelic and I know you didn't ask about him, but I thought he was kind of meh. Um... Hey, Will, I would like to know your impressions on Jack Devine after tracking. Kind of went over him. Uh, Matthew Poitras also kind of went over him as well. Would you put it past the Senators to win the lottery and select the geeky first overall? No, I wouldn't. Not at all. What do you see in Jagger Furcus? From when I watched him, he loves to stand in this area at the side of the net where he doesn't give much value. I also noticed how he loves to twirl on the ice. <laughs> um, I, I don't mind Jagger Furcus. I think he's a pretty smart player. Um... I, 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 I came away not really sure what to think of him. His offensive threat is 36, and a lot of that is from dangerous passing. Like, he wasn't really doing much in terms of defensive involvement. Like, that's just not great. He, he only had two, I think. But offensively, he's moderate, I would say. 
Um, but the real sort of pluses in his game are just getting into the offensive zone and, and making a play. Didn't connect on very many of them, but he just went into the offensive zone and tried to make a play. Created 32 shot attempts per 60 minutes in that game, which is pretty impressive. Um, all around, like a nice offensive creator, but wasn't really bringing much in terms of transition game, especially defensively, which is forgivable. Um, I think he's in my second round, if I'm not mistaken, or third. Yeah, late second. Is that this? Yeah, 64th, which I think is perfectly reasonable. Like as a mid to late second round pick, I could see Jagger Fergus being worth it. Talk about Yuri Kulik. Oh, why don't I? Uh, Yuri Kulik is very interesting. I, one of the more underrated players in the draft, I think. Um, he's fast. He gets to the net. He play. It's he's like a, he reminds me of like a faster version of Ronnie Hirvonen. You know, like he's fast. He gets to the net. He's simple but effective. Um, I would like for him to be a better passer than he is now. Like he just he kind of turns the puck over a lot. He skates himself into trouble um, and doesn't really know how to escape it. But in open ice and and carrying the puck, I really really like how he approaches the game. Super, super involved in transition. I'd be curious about, uh, oh, I'd be curious about what this looks like. Uh, transition involvement, this one. Kulik is probably way out in front. So yeah, there's Yuri Kulik. So this is just plotting offensive transition involvement with defensive transition involvement. So if you're up here, uh, you're just all over the ice all the time. So guys like Bo Gelsma, that checks out to me. The guy's a menace. Uh, Jordan Gustafson, to me, that kind of checks out too. Uh, Yuri Lasala, sure. Um, I don't know if I buy it. Uh, Yuri Kulik, Brad Lambert's in here. Uh, Danny Jilkin is in here. Ludwig Persson, but but Yuri Kulik, I definitely believe it as well. Um, he's been just all over the ice for sure. And there's Gleb Trikasov involved in forty five percent of his team's offensive transitions, so good good for him. But yeah, Yuri Kulik. I mean, he's pretty meat and potatoes, but I think there's a lot to like. He's, he's got the, the, the sort of simple but effective game down, but he's also got some quickness to him. Uh, and I feel like you give him some more time in the Czech League, like another season or two, and he could he could hit his stride, I feel like, uh, and, and become much better than he already is. Like right now, he's more of a tipping threat, a guy good and tight and, and got some skill around the net. But beyond that, I think there's potential. Uh, was Tucker Robertson eligible last year? And what are your thoughts? He was. I don't buy it for him. I've I watched a bit of tape of him the other night. I don't know. I didn't really see a, a guy where I'm going, how the hell was this guy not drafted, right? Like if Ty Voigt or Connor Lockhart or something went undrafted and I I watched the tape that I've seen of them this year, I go, how the hell were these guys not drafted? Whereas with Tucker Robinson, I haven't really seen it, to be perfectly honest. Um, Joe Miller riding Fantilli's coattails. <laughs> yeah. Adam Fantilli is extremely, extremely good. <laughs> Real. Anyone, I could ride his coattails. Do you think there's any world this offseason where Detroit is able to sign a 1C like Barzal or McKinnon with their basically infinite cap space? It would basically complete the rebuild. I would be stunned if Nathan McKinnon is not in a Colorado Avalanche uniform next year. I would be about 85% as stunned if Matt Barzal is not in an Islanders jersey next season. I get the feeling that Barzal and McKinnon are guys that those teams want to keep. And if those guys are free agents, I mean, McKinnon at least, you just walk up to him, you go to his house with a, 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 with a laptop and it contains 
millions of dollars in Bitcoin or something. I don't know, because Brinks truck jokes are old. And you just go, what'll it take? You know, how many BTCs do you want me to buy to convince you to come to the Detroit Red Wings? You know, like, he just is that good. So yeah, if Detroit has the money, you add Nathan McKinnon. They they need a center, you add him. Matthew Barzal, if he's available, sure, he'd make a great addition, but I'd go for McKinnon first. But I just don't think those guys are going to hit the market. Uh, have any have you seen anything of Ratu since he was loaned to Yukurit? Yes, he's getting more ice time and he's doing very well with it. Um, I, I don't think his game has changed that much. Again, last year, if you look at the video I made on him, my read was he needs a change of scenery and his line mates aren't really doing much to help him. He's he's producing on an individual basis. He was producing extremely well, driving pucks up the ice in transition extremely well. It just was, the puck just was not going in the freaking net. And and it part of that was his fault for sure. For sure, 100%. But also, he's playing more minutes, not in a bottom six, playing with better line mates, getting more opportunities, and it's paying off. I'm not surprised. Uh... You know who could use a guy like Toffoli is Vancouver. Oh my god. Also the Leafs, of course. Yeah, the Leafs could use everybody. What guy will the Sens take in 2022? Uh, ooh. What guy will the Sens take in 2022? I, I mean, I could get really weird because they took Tyler Boucher 10th overall last year when I had him ranked in the 50s. Um, so who's big? Uh, Maverick Lamoureux? I feel like I feel like Ottawa would take Maverick Lamoureux like eighth overall, which would be epic. Not, I don't think it would be bad, but I think it would be just epic. Uh, what do you think about Tyler Boucher? He's looking like a bust at tenth overall. Well, it's too early to say that anybody is a bust. Uh, it's too early to say that 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 he'll bust. But. I think it, again, like I said, when someone earlier asked about what do you think of Brandon Coe and Tristan Robbins, you can't judge a team's draft class on the day of the draft, but sometimes you kind of can. It's very early, but I don't know. Anyone, anyone worth their weight in salt could have told you that Cole Sillinger is... If you want a type of player like Tyler Boucher, Tyler Cole Sillinger is sitting right there, and they and they and they and they passed on him, and now Cole Sillinger is looking like a more than capable NHL player. By the way, uh, McKeen'sHockey.com, go to it if you're a subscriber and check out the Cole Sillinger document uh, report that the video team to put together. It came out this afternoon, um, and yeah, Cole Sillinger is a pretty good NHL player right now. Tyler Boucher is not a good NCAA player right now. He could be. It, you give him three or four years and you could have a really talented player. But that's, a, again, like, it's, again, it goes back to that conversation we had earlier about would you rather draft on development or would you rather draft something where you know you've got something now and you can build on it and build something very clear with it rather than saying, well, the player's not there yet, but, but what if? You know, and at 10th overall, if I'm ever a, a, an amateur scouting person or whatever, or general manager, God forbid, whatever it is, I don't think you'll ever see the team that I work for drafting a guy at 10th overall where I'm going, yeah, but maybe. 
and that's always where I like I've got I've got Simon Nemish and and David Juracek after 10th overall because those two guys are both like yeah but maybe maybe what if maybe and I just I don't the last thing you want is whiffing on a top 10 pick right the that's the last thing you want so for me it's just give me like if 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 Matt Savoy is available at ninth overall give me him just give me Matt Savoy just I don't care He's he's electrifying. Just give me him. Uh, Tverberg has a is a decent skater. Has a nifty shot and is all about effort. Depth that I could see. Uh, so Savoy has a goal and an assist tonight to increase his point streak to nine games. He has six points in his last three games. How impressive is and how impressive has Marco Rossi been in the AHL? Frankly, I haven't seen Marco Rossi in the AHL, so I can't tell you. Um, but he's scoring more than a point per game. And you know what? Again, that's a guy I just want to just have on my team like i can't even imagine what he's been through in the last whatever since march 2020 i just cannot even begin to imagine it's just unbelievable the guy thought he was gonna die right like he he said he was crying like every day because he thought he was gonna die from covid and that's like the fact that he's in the american hockey league as a 19 year old just turned 20 i think um the fact that he's in that situation and like performing extremely well for Iowa is unbelievable to me. He did not play very much last year at all. He was supposed to be on the Minnesota Wilds NHL team before he got COVID. And I don't know. I still believe that he, the, the, I was ready to go. Okay. Like maybe Marco Rossi will be, you know, a capable middle six guy that just never reaches his full potential because of the, because of the damage done by this horrific disease. And I mean, it seems like right now it's like he's, he's like, he's where you would expect him to be if he didn't like, where could he have been if this didn't happen to him is kind of where my head is at because he's probably going to figure it out. And I said this before, if anyone who is dealing with the kind of thing he's dealing with was ever going to figure it out, it was going to be Marco Rossi. So this guy, he's just a guy that I hope I get to meet because he's just an unbelievable story. I hope he has the greatest NHL career that, that he could possibly have. Um, he's been a player that it's just a joy to watch him play. I haven't seen a bunch of him in the AHL, like I said, but I imagine that considering the production he's putting up, uh, he's doing at least more than adequately. Uh, and I mean, I hope I hope to see him in the NHL um, because he is a heck of a hockey player. Uh, thoughts on Ivan Moroshnashenko. And why some are high on and lower? Why are some high and others are lower on him? Well, I'm not super high on him because he hasn't been very good this year. He's he's a physic he's a he's a big, strong guy who's good under pressure, um, good passer, good passing instincts. He's got a really nice shot. I've seen him be more dominant than he is though. Now even it's a. At the VHL level, guys should be scoring more than he is. I looked this up the other night. If they're going to be top, top-end NHL prospects, historically speaking, they should be scoring more than he is. I, I'm i frankly surprised he hasn't gone back to the MHL for a bit to get some more confidence or get him to be sort of flexing his muscles a little bit more. Um, but people are low on him because he just hasn't been very good this year. Like... You watch him relative to the other guys in my top 10, and I just look at him and go, yeah, I... He's one of those, yeah, maybe guys. And I'm sure that there's, you know, he'll go to the World Juniors probably, 
and probably play pretty well. I'm very curious to see how he does back against junior competition, but I have not been super taken with him. No matter what game I watch, no matter what I do, uh, I haven't been really blown away with his game. What ha- What is happening with the last question of the night? I'll call it the last question of the night. Uh, what is happening with Rodion Amirov so far this season? He's been hurt a lot. Uh, I believe he was hurt to start the year, came back, got hurt again. Um, so yeah, I think he's just been hurt a lot. Which is unfortunate because I'm a big, big fan of Rodion Amirov. And the Leafs seem to be snake bitten with this with the top level guys they have. Amirov is injured. Uh, yeah, the last game Amirov played was November 29th. So I believe he's been hurt. Um, so Amirov is hurt. Nick Robertson hurt. Uh, just not great. Just not a great situation. But yeah, he has been, he's been injured. I want to say it's a knee problem, but I'm not sure. And I don't want to get in trouble by spreading fake news. Uh, but yeah, he's just been injured, uh, which kind of sucks because I really, really like Ronin Amirov and would really like him to be, to be playing hockey. Uh, okay. If that's it for Twitch as well, it is. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, everybody. Next week, we're going to have some special guests. Uh, if you're not, you can probably figure out who it is. Uh, we're going to do it monthly. The McKean's video team will be joining me. So Sam McGilligan and Greg Revac will be coming in, uh, to do a, a, a three-way video call, uh, where we will answer all your questions and discuss things as you desire. So mark it in your calendars. It will be next Thursday. So eight days from now, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern standard time. Thank you all very much for joining me. Uh, go watch the movie Sunshine. Um, that's my tip of the day. Uh, if you haven't, got, get go get vaccinated. I actually went out and got my flu shot on Friday. Um, I am going to the big city of Toronto for the first time since March 12th, 2020, uh, tomorrow morning, which is very strange. Uh, I'm going to use the GO train for the first time since March 2020, which is bizarre. Um, but uh, 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 on business... Uh, but I'll see you all next week. We'll see you here, you know, as always. Feel free to join me. Uh, if you, uh, again, off the top, I mentioned that I donated to uh, some food banks in the BC area to help with relief uh, due to the flooding. Uh, if you can, please consider donating to a cause that you think matters in that situation because it's a horrible one. Um, and thank you very much. Uh, this was really, really lovely. See you next week. Uh, Party on, but don't party too hard. And uh, 